You remember this all, this all started with uh, Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you. Greek word, epusinage. But he said, you were not willing. Um, so something happened between Matthew 23 and Matthew 24. Uh, and that, that event is the Great Tribulation period. And it made them willing uh, to be gathered. And he told them, he said, your house is going to be left desolate. And instead of being gathered, you're going to be scattered. And at 70 A.D., the Romans came in, destroyed the city, the temple. And from that moment on, the Jews were scattered all over the face of the earth until 1948. They came back into their land. Now, however, that gathering is not the gathering of Matthew 24 because right now Israel is in unbelief as a nation. There are individuals who are saved, but as a nation, they're in unbelief. Okay? So Matthew 24 is yet to be fulfilled. And he says to them in Matthew 23, 39, he says, You're not going to see me again until you shall say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is Psalm 118. That's a messianic psalm. All right. Now, last week, we took ourselves all the way to the midpoint of the tribulation and into the second half. And it was pretty uh, terrifying stuff, wasn't it? And Jesus said, Unless the days have been cut short or limited, no flesh would be saved. And even two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to be destroyed, according to uh, Zechariah. Now we pick up in Matthew 24. And verse 23, and he says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here's the Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, and shall show Great signs and wonders. Insomuch that if it if were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert place. You know, that's how John the Baptist appeared. He just appeared in the wilderness. Or behold, he's uh, in the secret chambers. You know, he's, he's in an apartment somewhere. Hold up in, a, in an inner room. Don't believe it. For as lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. All right, let's just pause here. Now, Jesus said during this time period, there's going to be rampant deception. Let's go to the next slide. Now, Paul describes this in 2 Thessalonians 2. And he says that, uh, verse 9, even him, this is Antichrist, who's coming... The Antichrist has a coming just like Jesus does. His coming is after the working of who? Satan. With all power, signs and lying wonders. That's the same way Jesus' ministry is described. Uh, wonder, only his are true. Now when it says these are lying miracles, it doesn't mean that they're not real miracles. They will be real miracles. And we're going to see that in just a moment. And he says in verses 10 through 12 that because people have rejected the truth... They're going to believe a lie, and the reason they're going to believe a lie, the scariest thing is verse 11, God is going to send strong delusion. So God says, okay, now, now we can have uh, discussions about predestination and free will, but I'm going to tell you this, God's going to give you what you want. I'll say it again, God's going to give you what you want. If you want to be saved, you don't have to go another day without salvation. 
The offer is on the table right now, brother, sister. You can be saved. If you want to be lost and go to hell, God will let you do that too. And if you choose not to receive the love of the truth, guess what? God's going to let you have what you want, which is deception. See, most of the world uh, doesn't want truth. The talking heads on TV, they, they're always asking questions, but they don't want the answer. The answer to the world's problems is not the United Nations. It's Jesus Christ. And I don't think I have to belabor that point. Uh, look with me now in Revelation 13. Revelation 13. And we'll get our interactive point of the sermon today. Um, who looks more sleepy, Mark or Adam? <laughs> All right, Adam. Such a good sport. Revelation 13. And you're going to see this very time period that Jesus is talking about. All right, Adam, if you'll read Revelation 13. Um, verses 1 through... Six. Revelation 13, 1 through 6. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven horns, seven heads, and ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like this beast, and who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God, to blasphemy his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. All right, thank you. So this should remind you of the book of Daniel. Remember that fourth beast that Daniel saw? The lion and the leopard and the bear and, uh, and the dragon. Now who's the dragon? Satan. So the dragon gives him his power. So what we see in Revelation 13 is a counterfeit trinity. You have the dragon, who's the devil, uh, who's, who's imitating the Father. You have the, the Antichrist who's imitating the Son. And we're going to see another beast here in just a moment who's the false prophet. He's the counterfeit Holy Spirit. But in verse 3, we see that the, the Antichrist is going to suffer a mortal wound. And from my studies, I believe this will be a very real wound. And he was, he's going to recover. There's going to be a resurrection of the Antichrist. Now, God's going to allow this to happen. Now, now, keep in mind, this is all counterfeit. He's trying to mimic what Jesus Christ and God have, has done. And verse 4, it says, when he comes back from the dead, uh, everybody's going to see who can make war with him. And, you know, that's a legitimate question. I mean, after all, if you're dealing with an immortal being, how are we going to kill him? How are we going to defeat him uh, if he's not going to die? 
And it says in verse 5, he's got a mouth uh, speaking blasphemies. And it says he was allowed to continue. How long? Three and a half years. That's the midpoint of the tribulation period. We're, we're talking about the same Olivet Discourse time period here. Um, why does it say continue? Because he's already been doing his thing for three and a half years. But only now is he manifesting himself uh, in this way. Now verse 7 it says it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now some people read the church in here. But if you've read your Bible you ought to see that that, that presents a problem. The first time that Jesus talked about the church was in Matthew 16. And he made an interesting statement. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. So if this is the church here, then that's a problem. Because Jesus said the gates of hell wouldn't overcome the church. My Bible says greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. Right? Uh, Christians are not going to be uh, around here worried about the Antichrist. I mean, we wouldn't be deceived. We'd, we'd immediately spot him as a counterfeit. We'd identify him immediately. Right? I mean, so don't read the church here. Okay, verse 8 says, All that dwell upon the earth. Uh, this is a theme throughout the book of Revelation is the earth dwellers. So just keep that in mind. You'll see that phrase over and over. The earth dwellers. And everybody that dwells upon the earth is going to worship him. That's the strong delusion that Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians. Remember, just up there on the screen there. God's going to send strong delusion that everybody's going to worship the Antichrist. Why? Because they rejected Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, Adam, if you read verses um, 11 through 16. Well, 11, go ahead and read the rest of the chapter. 11 through the rest of the chapter. Revelation 13. Do you think you were off the hook over there? No. Okay. I can't see. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all of the authority of the first beast in the presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship and the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that even he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. <laughs> All right, thank you. So there's another beast in verse 11 that comes out of the earth. Now there's a beast that came out of the sea in verse 1. And now there's a beast that comes out of the earth. And this beast in verse 11 is the false prophet. And it says he exercises all the power of the first beast. And he, he does miracles. Now in verse 13, uh, verse 12, he says he causes everybody to worship the beast whose deadly wound was healed. You see that? So again... 
this resurrection uh, is the grounds or the basis for which people are going to worship the Antichrist. All right. Now, verse 13, I want you to notice that this, this beast has the power to call fire down from heaven. You see that? Now, John wanted this power. You remember in the Gospels? Does anybody remember John wanted that power? He said, uh, I'd like to have, be able to call fire down from heaven and kill the Samaritans. Remember that? And so I think it's kind of ironic here that John actually sees somebody who, who has this power. <clears throat> All right, let's go to the next uh, slide. All right, let's go back to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Now, Jesus has said there's going to be a massive deception that's going to take place during this time period. And he says, uh, if they try to say, well, Jesus is in the wilderness somewhere or he's in the hidden chambers, don't believe it. Um, because Christ's coming is going to be a global coming. Um, in Revelation 1, Jesus said, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Right? We don't have to worry about going out in the wilderness or going to an apartment in New York City to find him um, for a small fee, I'm sure. They'll be charging a small fee for, uh, to be able to see him. Um, the sign of his first coming, if you remember, the shepherd says, This is the sign you will find the baby where? In a manger, feeding trough, basically. But not so with the second coming. In the second coming, every eye is going to see him. Every eye is going to see him. He's going to come in great glory. Now, um, it's going to be global. Uh, it's going to be instantaneous. There's not going to be any question. Oh, did he come or did he not come? No, the preterists say he came already, Brother Willie. And uh, if that's true, man, we, must, we really missed it. Really missed it. But... Um, Verse 28 is a proverbial saying, but I'm going to show you that, that there actually is a companion scripture to this. For wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together, is what the King James says. It might, should be translated as vultures, because eagles are not, they don't feed on carrion, I don't think. I could be wrong. But vultures do. Buzzards do. I, I was coming into church this morning on Deep Springs Road, and there was about a dozen buzzards in the road. Anybody see those buzzards? Yeah. Wherever the carcass is, there will the buzzards be gathered together. Now, my Sunday school teacher, Miss Mary Jordan, she, she taught us one day in Sunday school class. She gave us some good advice on pastoral care. And she said, don't wait until the buzzards are circling around my house before you check on me. <laughs> Why? Because wherever the carcass is, there will the vultures be gathered together. Let's go to the next slide. You can read about this in Matthew 19, not Matthew, Revelation 19. I'm all discombobulated this morning. Revelation 19, verse 17. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the... Supper of the great God. Now, I love supper time, but this is one supper you don't want to be a part of. Uh, 
And I thank Brother Brack because he taught me the difference between lunch and supper. <laughs> dinner and supper. There is a difference. But um, he says, you may eat the flesh of kings, of captains, uh, flesh of all men, free and bond. Then verse 21, it says, all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Wherever the carcass is, there will be. When Jesus comes back the second time, it's going to be absolute bloodshed everywhere. Dead bodies everywhere. Carnage everywhere. Now that should immediately tell you that that's, this is not the rapture. The rapture is going to be a glorious event for the church. It's a blessed hope. It's not a massacre. Amen? Okay, I'll just make sure you're awake. All right, now, back to Matthew 24, verse 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Is that what your Bible says? Yeah, after those days. Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, if that happened in 70 A.D., I missed it. We missed it. I, I don't think it happened. I don't think it's ever happened. But I do believe it's going to happen. You don't want to be here. And uh, Luke's gospel, when Luke brings it out, he says when men begin to see this, he said their hearts will fail for fear. Literally, they're going to have heart attacks. When they start, this is how awful it's going to be. Folks, the world is not ready for this kind of thing. I mean, the world's still, still in a panic over COVID-19. Even though Joe Biden told us it was over on 60 Minutes. But, but, but it still gets blamed for everything, right? And the world's in a panic over that. That's nothing compared to what's coming, guys. Now, these cosmic disturbances, these aren't, this is not new revelation. Everything Jesus has taught in the Olivet Discourse is stuff the Old Testament prophets had already predicted. The birth pain signs, the, uh, the abomination of desolation. Let's go to the next slide. We're going to go through these really quickly. Aren't you thankful? Yes, you are. Isaiah 13 predicted cosmic disturbance. The stars of heaven and the constellations shall not give their light. And what else? The sun shall be darkened. And the moon. Does that sound like what Jesus just said in Matthew 24? Sounds exactly like it, doesn't it? Uh, and it says, I will make man more precious than fine gold, than the gold of Ophir. Why is that? Because most of the earth's population is going to be destroyed. We're talking about billions of people gone, guys. Next slide. These will go quickly. Joel chapter 2. This is not Joel right, but this is Joel the prophet in the Old Testament. Although they're both good guys. <laughs> Joel 2.31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. Um, verse 13, 15, the sun and the moon shall be darkened and the what? Stars shall withdraw their shining. Sounds like Matthew 24, doesn't it? Next slide. Glory to God. We're just rolling through these. I might get you to the steakhouse before the Methodists today. I don't know. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, says what? The heavens are going to be shaken. The book of Hebrews predicts that too. Hebrews 12 is quoting from Haggai. Or as we say here in the south, Haggai. 
I don't know why we pronounce it that way. It's actually Haggai in Hebrew, but anyway. Uh, the shaking of heaven was predicted. All of these things were predicted in the Old Testament, guys. All right, let's go back to Matthew 24. Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Let's go to the next slide. Now, people argue about what is the sign of the Son of Man. Some people say it's the cross. But if you look in Mark, Mark 13 and Luke 21, I think the sign is Jesus himself. Notice what Mark says. And then shall they see the Son of Man. Not the sign, but the Son of Man. Luke 21 says they shall see the Son of Man. Now, there is one thing that's in common with all three accounts, and that is glory. The Shekinah glory of God. Now imagine this. The earth's going to be in dark, total darkness. And then all of a sudden the brilliant light of the glory of Jesus Christ appears. Wow. Wow. Acts 1 verse 9 says, this is the ascension. When he had spoken these things, they beheld while he was taken up and a what? Cloud, glory cloud. Clouds are synonymous with glory in the Bible, or they're often together. Received him out of their sight. And what did the angels tell uh, the apostles? They said, just as you've seen him go into heaven, he will come again in like manner. He's going to come with power and glory and in the clouds of heaven. Amen? He's not coming to be a baby in a, in a feeding trough. He's not coming to die on a cross. He's coming again to rule and reign. It says, They'll see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Let's go to the next slide. Now, what, what is this business with Son of Man? Son of man, son of man, son of man. Paul doesn't refer to him as the son of man. But Jesus refers to himself a lot as the son of man. That goes all the way back to Daniel. Daniel 7, verse 13. Adam, why don't you read that off the board there? Let me get a drink of water. Yeah, read that whole slide up there. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before, God, before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. All right, thank you. So this goes all the way back to Daniel. Daniel sees the Son of Man coming with what? Clouds of heaven. Does that sound like the Olivet Discourse? Matthew 24, sounds exactly like that. Again, these are all Old Testament concepts. Um, let's go to the next slide. Man, I can't believe how quickly these are going. Now, the Old Testament concept of the Son of Man goes all the way back to Daniel. Now, when Jesus, Jesus he endured six trials. Three were civil and three were, um, uh, three were religious and three were political. Now, Mark 
14 records one of these religious trials. Verse 61, um, he says, He held his peace and answered nothing. And again the high priest asked him, he said, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see what? And coming in the clouds of heaven. The Son of Man's coming. Who's he quoting? Daniel, right? Daniel chapter 7. Now when the high priest heard that, he bowed down and worshipped the Lord. Is that what it says? <laughs> what did he do? He tore his clothes. Why? Because he thought Jesus was blaspheming. Because he knew that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God. And that's what ultimately led to his uh, crucifixion. So far, so good, guys? We all follow along? Okay. Now, it says in Matthew 24, 30, that all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn. Let's go to the next slide. Now, Zechariah 12 says that Israel is going to mourn. Verse 10, God says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Notice God says, me whom they have pierced. Jesus is God, guys. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Now, why are they going to mourn? Because they're going to realize they crucified their Messiah. Now the world's going to mourn because they know the gig is up. The one that they've been fighting against all this time and trying to shut out and blot out of society, he's now come to show them who's boss. That's the Henry Haney translation of that. But that's why Israel's mourning. All right, that brings us to verse 31. This is the last verse we're going to read today from Matthew. He shall send his angels with the sound of a great trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, there's some confusion. A lot of people think this is the rapture. This is not the rapture. This is not Paul's trumpet. Uh, number one, Paul hadn't even wrote about it yet. So it couldn't be Paul's trumpet. This is the trumpet of Isaiah. Let's go to the next slide. Isaiah 27, verse 12. Adam, you want to read that for us? 12 and 13. It's up on the slide there. There shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and he shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come with which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. All right, hang on to your microphone. Let's go to the next slide. Can you read that? I don't know if... All right. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, 
the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and the, and thou shalt call them the, to mind among all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will return thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God has scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of the heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence which he fetched thee. Do you see verse 4 where the Lord says he's going to be, if you be driven out from where, the outermost part of where? Of heaven. From there will the Lord gather you, and from there will he fetch you. So Matthew 24, this trumpet, is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 30, and it's the trumpet of Isaiah 27. Sam, will you back up to that last slide from Isaiah? Thank you. Um, notice there's a reference to a great trumpet being blown. That's the only mention of a great trumpet in the Old Testament. And I think that's significant. This is speaking of the final gathering of Israel into the land in belief, not in unbelief. You see, in 1948 when they came back, was there a great trumpet blown? No. Did God gather his elect from the four corners of, of the earth? No. But at this trumpet, notice what's going to happen. Before, Jesus said, I wanted to gather you. Remember that epistonago? I wanted to gather you, but you were not willing. But now, he gathers them. Why? Because they're no longer in unbelief. Because the purpose of the tribulation period is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be rescued from it. All Israel shall be saved. Now, I know some are still not convinced, so let's go to the next slide. Uh, one more. Thank you. This is different from Paul's trumpet. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15. No, I'm sorry. Go to 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll come back to it. 1 Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians 4. Um, Adam, would you read the verses 15 through 18? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the uh, archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be always with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Thank you. Do you see the difference between Matthew's trumpet and Paul's trumpet? 
Matthew's trumpet talks about uh, signs and cosmic signs. The sun's going to be dark. The stars are going to fall. The moon's not going to give its light. There's going to be the uh, abomination of desolation. There's going to be false Christ, false prophets. The tri- all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn in Matthew's uh, trumpet. But here in Paul's trumpet, there's no mention of those things, are they? Also, in this particular passage, the emphasis is on the resurrection of the dead in Christ and the living believers. In Matthew's trumpet, there's no mention of resurrection, are there? Which I think would be, a, it's almost like a glaring omission if it's talking about the rapture, right? So there's no mention of resurrection with, with Matthew's trumpet. In Matthew's trumpet, if you, if you were paying attention, who was doing the gathering? Not the Lord, but who? The angels were doing the gathering. In 1 Thessalonians 4, who's doing the gathering? Notice the emphatic there. It's not just the Lord, but it's the Lord himself. You see, uh, Christ himself is gathering the believers. He's not sending anybody else to come do his work for him in the, in, in the rapture. Um, I wanted to do a chart for you, but I knew it would just be too much, too much, too time consuming. All of the differences between the rapture and the second coming, but there's a bunch of differences. I want you to get this concept today. Similarity does not mean identical. Similar does not mean identical. Matthew 24 is similar to the rapture. There's a trumpet. There's a gathering. But when you start putting the details side by side, they, don't, they won't square with one another. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm only giving you a few differences. I mean, we, we could really parse it out. 1 Corinthians 15, which again is the great resurrection chapter of the New Testament. Are we there yet? All right, thank you. Okay. Brother Adam, this will be your last assignment today. I want you to read, if you will, um, verses 50 through 53. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 53. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the corruption inherit in incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this cor- corruptible must be put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. All right, thank you. There's a big word in verse 51 you need to pay attention to. Paul says, Behold, I show unto you a what? Mystery. In the Bible, a mystery is something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. That is the biblical definition of a mystery. It's something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. 
Now, the Olivet Discourse, everything Jesus taught those people was right out of the Old Testament. The mystery was not revealed until Paul. Now, Jesus alluded to it in the upper room, didn't he? But if you got your chronology right, when the Olivet Discourse had taken place, Jesus had not taken the disciples to the upper room. So they would not have read the rapture into this. Let's go to the last slide. So what are the, uh, what are the implications of this? Well, you need to understand something. That there's a signs and wonders movement that's coming to planet Earth. And it's going to defy anything that you've ever seen. We're not used to seeing political figures come back from the dead, Brother Lynn. I mean, we're just not used to that kind of thing. And the church is going to be gone at this point. The restrainer is going to be removed. The world is going to be ripe for deception. I mean, people will believe almost anything now. They will believe almost anything now. I'm amazed at how gullible people are. It's going to be even worse uh, in the tribulation period. And all of these things are going to seem very biblical. Now, who else called fire down from heaven in the Old Testament? Anybody remember? Elijah. What did God say in the last days? I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. So, again, we have a counterfeit of what God did in, in the Old Testament. The only way to safeguard yourself against error is stay in this book, folks. I mean, that is the only way. And that goes for my teaching, too. Don't believe it just because I say it. I, I have been wrong before. I strive not to be. But you study this book for yourself. You, you go through it and make sure. You test it. Because the truth will stand up to scrutiny. I, you know, I've, something I've noticed about liars, they hate to be questioned. You ever notice that? When, whenever you start questioning a liar, they always get mad and defensive. What are you, why are you questioning me? But if you tell the truth, you got nothing to worry about. You know? Hey, if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong and I want to get it right. I mean, I... I want to preach the truth. I don't want to preach error. Not only do I not want to lead you astray, I don't want to have to answer for that at the judgment seat of Christ. You do realize I want to be held accountable for what I preach. That's why I need your prayers. If you reject Jesus in this current dispensation... You're left with no alternative but deception. Most of the cults, they prey on people who know a little bit about the Bible. Just enough to where they can deceive you. The devil will tell you 99 truths to get you to believe one lie. He will. He's content with that. Unlike the second coming, the second coming has got tons of harbingers, right? The birth pains, the seal judgments, the abomination of desolation. Not so with the rapture. So if you're waiting on some sign 
you're going to end up getting left behind. If you're saying, well, Jesus can't come back yet. This has got to happen. This has got to happen. No. When that temple was destroyed in 70 AD, that was it. That was the last visible sign that needed to take place before the rapture. And I can prove it to you from Daniel 9, but I'm not going to this morning. That when that temple was destroyed in 70 AD, that was it. There's no more prophecy left to be fulfilled. So if anybody says, well, Jesus can't come back yet because of X, Y, Z, you just go ahead and turn them off because they're lying to you. Nothing else has to happen before the rapture. But if you're left behind, your chances are not good. Even if you do manage to survive somehow, some way, chances are you're going to be deceived. Because you've rejected the truth when you had the opportunity. So the question I'm asking you today is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Let's stand. Jesus came to earth about as humbly as a, as a human could come. God in human flesh came and was placed in a dirty, stinking feed trough. His whole life was a life of humility. He did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom. His life was one humble act after another. The birds of the air have nests, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. There was no room for him at the inn. There was no room for him uh, in the hearts of most of the Jewish leadership. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Today, if by faith you will accept that this baby came, grew into a man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins and my sins, was placed in a tomb. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you will repent of your sin of unbelief and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today. And you don't have to worry about being on the earth during Matthew 24. You can be in heaven with the Lord. If you're away, if you're away from the Lord, you've been, I don't even know if we should use this term or not, but backslidden. You know what I mean by that. You need a fresh touch from God. The altar is open for you. Would you come just as you are?